for the past six weeks, we've been going through the life of Abraham. <coughs> and in his life, we see this repetitive theme. We see a, th a theme of faith and then falter. Faith and then falter. And in a lot of ways, I've always looked at Abraham as this heavyweight of a man, this heavyweight of a man of faith, this great man. And in a lot of ways, he was. You know, when he was 75 years old, he was called by God. God told him he was going to make a great nation out of Abraham. And when God called him, Abraham went. God called and he went. That's faith. That's strength. But as we saw, when Abraham went, he made it to the promised land. There was a famine. So Abraham took things into his own hands and he left. He continued on and he went to Egypt. He was like, this is the land that God is going to give me. He's going to give this land to me and my descendants. And he actually built an altar there. He built an altar in Canaan. But then he was like, there's no food here. So I got I to take control of this situation. So he said, let's go to Egypt. And he brought his family, he brought his people to Egypt. You see, Abraham didn't trust God when he couldn't see a human way through the problem. He didn't see how God was going to provide. So he went on. As you might remember, when they got down to Egypt, he said, man, these people are going to kill me. They're going to kill me because my wife is good looking. He didn't focus on God's promise when he was in Egypt. He focused on a perceived problem. He was fearful. And just like with the famine, he thought he had to do something on his own. He thought he had to take care of it. But we know God wasn't going to let him die. God was in the process of making Abraham a great nation. But he took things in his own hands. And he told his wife to lie. And the Pharaoh takes Sarah into his harem. What a mess. What a mess. We've seen some messy things in Abraham. But God is faithful. We constantly see God's faithfulness. And he rescues them. Last week, we saw that it's not Abraham that makes himself a great nation. It's not Abraham that creates a covenant with God. It's God who makes a covenant with us. And that covenant is fulfilled, is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Just because Abraham does good things, just because we do good things, it doesn't put us in right standing with God. It doesn't. What puts us in right standing with God is Jesus. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we accept God's covenant to forgive us for our sins, and we can come into a relationship with him. That's what makes Abraham the first Hebrew. He accepted God's covenant with him, and he crossed over into faith. The theme of this series, crossing over. 
Last week, we also saw that Abraham was pining for a son. He wanted a son real bad. He had faith in God's promise that he would be a great nation. But he couldn't do that without a son. And it was sort of like when he was in Canaan and there was that famine. He's like, I heard you, God, but I, I, can't, I can't be a nation without a son. And he doesn't see a way forward. He doesn't see how humanly, from his human perspective, how this is going to happen. And that fear, that fear that Abraham has, is what really sets the stage for today's text. Today we're looking at Genesis 16, and it's probably the greatest sin and failure of Abraham and Sarah. And this failure has caused generations and generations of strife and death. First, we're going to read chapter 16 all the way through. Then we're going to look at the different sections. Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord had prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went and he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be, so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him 
who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Bir Lahairoi. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. There's a lot of stuff in that text. There's a lot of things to digest. There's all types of problems and issues and sins we see in this text. First, let's take a look at verses 1 through 3. In verse 3, we see it's been 10 years that they've lived in Canaan. Abraham, Abraham call, heard his call from God 10 years ago. For 10 years, Sarah has known that God is going to make them into a great nation. But still, they have no baby. As we might remember, Abraham was 75 years old when he was called. So, you know, time's going on. 10 years has gone by, and they still don't have a child. Like, man, our biological clocks are ticking. We got to make something happen. We got to do something here. Sarah's like, something's not right. Something's not right with me. We got to make this happen, Abraham. How can I? Sarah says, how can I make God's promises come true? How can I do it? And then she has a light bulb. She says, my servant Hagar, she's my best servant. She does whatever I say. Let her have a baby with Abraham to fulfill God's promise. Let Hagar do it. Now look, in today's society, when we, when we read something like this, it's just weird. You know, this stuff doesn't happen today, giving servants to have babies and all this stuff, especially in America. But in this time, the time of harems and polygamy, Sarah's idea wasn't off the wall. It wasn't something uncommon. But just to make it clear, God never prescribed or condoned polygamy or sex outside of marriage as the right type of relationship between a man and a woman. You know, from the very beginning, God called man and woman to come together under his blessing in a monogamous relationship. That's what marriage is. Just because in, in the Bible we see these things, it's not a prescription that it's okay. It's a description of what actually happened. It's sin. You know, marriage is a man and woman coming together under God's blessing for a committed monogamous relationship. That's what we see in Adam and Eve, and that's God's perfect design for relationships in marriage. So what Abraham and Sarah are doing here is sin. It's in the Bible and it's telling us it's sin. You know, but Sarah's here. She's in this situation 10 years later and she sees her husband. Just in chapter 15 we saw last week, he was stressed out about a son. So she says, I gotta fix this problem. Sarah tries to play God. Another interesting thing about this text that we see is Sarah's solution 
for God's promise should have actually never even been an option. It should have never been an option. You see, in verse 1, when we look at verse 1, it says, Sarah had a female Egyptian servant. An Egyptian servant. How did Sarah get an Egyptian servant? They're from Ur. They were in Canaan. When they went to Egypt, as you guys might remember, Abraham gave Sarah to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh gave Abraham servants and wealth in return. In exchange for his lie, Pharaoh gave him wealth and servants. And they took those servants when they left Egypt. Hagar is very, very likely to be one of those servants. They should have never been in Egypt. And they probably shouldn't have taken the stuff Pharaoh gave because they deceived him. But here they are. Abraham's sin led to the acquisition of Hagar. And now their lack of faith in God is going to lead to even bigger sins and create an even bigger mess. And that's what can happen when we don't repent from our sin and turn away from it and turn to God. You know, I'm going to give you a modern day example of trying to fulfill God's blessing and how it could have repercussions. It's related to work. It's related to work. I've talked to some of the guys here about this before, but me, I like to work. I really do. I like being productive. I like to have an impact. I like to produce. I like to produce. And sometimes I work when my family really needs me. Sometimes I work when God is actually calling me to be with my family. I've gotten better at this, but I still make this mistake sometimes. I know my wife is tired. I know my kids want to spend time with me. But work seems so important because there's always something to do. There's always something to do. There's always things going on. So sometimes I'll go to my wife, I'll go to Brittany, I'll say, you know, work's crazy. I got a lot of stuff going on. There's all these projects I have to do. And being the loving, supporting wife that she is, she'll say, don't worry about it, babe. Don't worry, I got it covered. So then what I'll do is I'll work really late. Sometimes I'll leave really early in the morning and work really late for a whole week, barely seeing them. I take things into my own control. This sin, taking things into my own hand and trying to control everything causes a mess. My kids begin to act up because they miss their dad or they just don't have my presence in the house. Then my wife gets stressed out or overwhelmed because she's alone and tired and the kids are acting like little zoo animals. It happens. So my sin, my sin of controlling everything gets compounded and it gets magnified with everyone else in the family. There's a ripple effect. And if I do this over and over again, it will have a long-term impact on my kids 
in my relationship with my wife. It will. So we should learn from Abraham's mistakes. If God has called me to a job, I have to trust he is going to take care of it. He is going to provide. When I'm supposed to be home ministering to my family, I need to stop and go home. The world won't end if I, don't, if I go home that day. Everything's not going to fall off. The world wasn't going to end if Abraham and Sarah didn't have a child at that point in time, if they didn't have a son. Sarah and Abraham should have done what's right by God first and not act like they had to fulfill God's promise. Because a lack of faith in God, thinking I have to do everything, it's a sin and it has repercussions. It will impact my family dramatically. And that's what we see in Abraham. He's a doer. Abraham is a doer. He's an achiever. God said go, and he went. And he's a problem solver. He's a grinder. There's a problem in Canaan. Abraham's like, no worries. I got it. We're going to Egypt. There's a problem in Egypt. He's like, no worries, God. I got this. I don't even know if he prayed to God. If he prayed to God for guidance. Lot is taken captive. He's like, no worries, man. I'm a beast. I'm a beast. I'm going to defeat these kings. I got it. But in the Bible, we see that a lot of these things, when Abraham tries to take control and do everything, it's sin. And there are repercussions. And today's scripture is a huge one. It's a huge one. Tremendous problems. Let's go back to the text. And we'll look at verses 1 through 3. Here we see that Sarah tried to fulfill God's promise. And Abraham agreed. He agreed to it. He's the leader of his house. He didn't have to do it. He said, he could have said, he could have said, Sarah, no. God's in control. God's in control. You're my wife. God gave me you. I'm going to cherish you and love you. And God will provide for us in due time. Just like I can say those same things instead of overworking. And in verses 4 through 6, we see some repercussions when we try to play God. We see some of these repercussions. What Sarah and Abraham wanted, what they tried to do, actually happened. Hagar got pregnant. But the results didn't work out like they wanted it to like they thought it would work out. Verse four says, Hagar had contempt on Sarah. She got pregnant, but then Hagar despised Sarah. It caused a rift. It caused a problem. This thing that was gonna be so great, they were gonna fulfill God's promise, turned bad. And it's the same thing when we act like God isn't enough and we have to take things into our own hands. You know, look, when I work really hard, I advance my career. I do. I advance my reputation. I advance my opportunities. 
I can even do all this stuff and say I'm providing for my kids. You know, I'm providing them with everything they need. God wants me to provide for my family, right? Of course he does. Of course God wants us to provide for our families. But we have to go to him for guidance. We have to trust in him. Because if I try to do it on my own, I'll work so much that what was supposed to be a blessing, provision for my family, will get twisted and will have repercussions. My kids will have a weak relationship with me and they'll turn to evil things to fulfill that. And in verse five, we see how this sin, how this sin from Abraham and Sarah, how this lack of trusting God divides them. It causes a divide between them. Sarah goes to him, she says, I did this for you. I did this to fulfill God's promise. Now my best servant, Hagar, is treating me horribly, and it's your fault. But Abraham's like, whoa, whoa, hey, Sarah, that's your servant. You do what you want with her. So Sarah abuses Hagar, and Hagar leaves. We see sin after sin after sin. Should have never happened in the first place in Egypt. Then this should have never happened. Then Hagar shouldn't have treated her disrespectfully. Abraham shouldn't have been passive. Sarah shouldn't have abused her. And Hagar shouldn't have lived. Sin after sin after sin. Repercussions. And you know, this stuff happens today in families all the time. People work too much. People are absent. They think they have to control everything and they're absent. Then their kids act like Hagar. They treat them like trash. So they turn around and they'll either avoid their kids, they'll try to spoil their kids, or some people abuse their kids. Then their kids look for love and acceptance in the wrong places. Repercussions, a tumbling, because we're trying to play God and it doesn't turn out well. But in verses seven through 10, we see Jesus. We see Jesus here. We see God's grace and love toward us, even in situations that we created by sin. God's angel finds Hagar, confronts her, guides her, and says, I will multiply your offspring. He blesses her. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty, God reaches out to us. God is there for us. We just have to reach out to him and trust him. But sin, sin has repercussions. Verses 11 and 12 tell us that Hagar's son, Ishmael, will have his hand against everyone, and everyone will have their hand against him. It also says that he will be against his kinsmen, his own family. And this is because Sarah and Abraham took things into their own hand, and they messed up their family. 
Muslims claim descent from Ishmael. Jews claim descent from Isaac, Sarah's son, who we will learn about later. And as we know, there's tons and tons of blood and battles between Jews and Muslims. This sin from Sarah and Abraham has caused generations and generations of dysfunction in the world. Taking things into our own hands, not trusting in God, and not following God's lead for our lives and our families can cause grave sins in our household and cause generations of dysfunction for our kids and our grandkids. It can happen. I want to encourage everyone here today, follow Jesus in your house, follow Jesus at your job, and follow him everywhere you go. Jesus just isn't for Sundays. He's just not for today. He's just not for your friends here at church. He should be ruler and Lord over every part of your life. He should guide your work. He should guide your house. He should guide your heart, mind, body, and soul. If Jesus isn't over every part of your life, if he isn't the Lord of every part of your life, make that decision today. As Hagar said, he is a God of seeing. He knows everything. And only he can truly save us. Don't put work, don't put ambition, don't put anything else above Jesus. Put him first and foremost.